Welcome to the Department of Mysteries. We are your unspeakables. Kai. Ella. And David. Before we begin, we want to make it clear that we are allies to all trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people. On our podcast, we will cover everything from spells to magical creatures. We will release an episode every Sunday and are excited to have you with us. All right. So today we have a very special guest. Um, Anna Mariano is here with us. Um, she is the author of This Is How We Fly, and for those of you who have not read it or are not familiar, um, it is a book about a girl who plays Muggle Quidditch, which is, like, (laughs) super cool. So, yeah. thanks. (laughs) So, for our first question, um, how are you today? Hi, thanks. I'm doing pretty well today, uh. Recovered from a migraine, so that was not as fun, but (laughs) now I'm doing great. Um, I'm on deadline for my next book, which is exciting, and um, will feature some familiar faces from This Is How We Fly. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Trying to stay hydrated. What about y'all? How are y'all doing today? Good. Pretty good. I'm great. Yeah. Cool. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so if any, um, have you done any fun Harry Potter-related things lately? Um, I think the last fun Harry Potter-related thing that I did was a uh, Harry Potter-themed virtual escape room with my Quidditch team. Uh, Ooh. We are the Houston Cosmos. Um and we haven't been able to practice in, I guess, um, I mean, we haven't been able to really practice in over a year, like most of the yeah. world. Uh, we got yeah. cut off too. Yeah, we, we, did, we were able to try to very slowly start up practices in September when Texas at least was in a very low um, case number phase. But, you know, we couldn't pass balls to each other. We could, we basically were just, like, meeting in the park with masks on far away and doing yeah. push-ups. Um, it wasn't really Quidditch <laughs> practice. But we did all get on uh, Zoom and do a virtual escape room. We did a couple. One was Disney-themed. Uh, we did one that was Harry Potter-themed. Um, and so, yeah, that was probably the most recent. It wasn't that recent because, unfortunately, since this summer, I've been kind of... Uh, not having as much fun with Harry Potter things. Um, yeah. Rowling has really made yeah. it a little difficult to be a proud fan, um, unfortunately. So, you know, I really, really am excited to start Quidditch practice back up because that'll be my fun way to connect with all my friends and the fandom that I love without having to think about uh, all the ways that that woman and her current writings are hurting my friends and family, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've definitely had to go... We've been trying to do a lot more fandom-related things. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so we're we're gonna talk about fan fiction on upcoming mm-hmm. episodes. We're gonna do a lot about Wizard Rock. <laughs> That's gonna be super cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh All um, the fans. Am I dating myself here if I ask about my immortal? No. <laughs> Have y'all are y'all familiar with my immortal? No. No. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, if you want to talk about Harry Potter fan fiction, uh, that's the one to check out. <laughs> yeah, I was super excited because today I discovered, so I really love podcasts. I mean, mm-hmm. I run one, so hopefully yeah, I yeah. do. <laughs> and I found one called Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. And it's oh. a podcast about a Harry Potter fan fiction. Cool. Oh, and so fun. I am like so excited to start listening. Yeah, and I heard y'all mention on one of, I was clicking through some of your old episodes, I heard you mention Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, which I'm not caught up with at all, but I used to love a lot. Oh yeah, Um, I really love them. Yeah, I think the fandom is so nice, um, and just doing so many cool things, and we deserve better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh, I know. It's so hard, too. Because, like, Wizard Team, they're retiring, and, like, you know, it's not explicitly because of Mm -hmm. it, but it's definitely, like, a factor. It was kind of like, you know, the final straw that, like, broke the camel's back. Like, it was just one thing too much. Mm -hmm. And so that is, like, really sad. Yeah, yeah, it's really just, it's disappointing that, like, these communities that we've built around, I mean, and some of them are staying, I don't think, I, you know, fingers crossed, I don't think Muggle Quidditch is going anywhere. No. Uh, <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, actually, so, y'all, st- did y'all start the team at your school? Yes. Um, yes. I'm from Texas, I'm gonna say y'all. So not, that's just gonna happen. Not of a school yet, but. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, like, a work in progress. But we started the one in, like, just our local community. Oh, okay, yeah. great. That's amazing. It's a lot of elementary school kids, and so mm-hmm. Ella and I are hoping to start a high school one. So. Yeah, I, 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 I don't go to their school, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. But I, I do love Quidditch. That's also, so cool. Also, I must confess, um, I'm sorry, but I haven't read your book yet, so... <laughs> But I'm excited to learn more about it today. And cool, no worries. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, I guess caveat, I don't know the age of your listeners, but caveat that it is a teenager book. It's yes. a little bit angsty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes the characters hate their parents or talk about kissing. So, you know, read at your own <laughs> <Yeah>. risk. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I did realize that after I had recommended it. And then I was like, ooh, <laughs> David, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have, um, I actually, you know, I think I am not a librarian, but I have been a teacher. I'm currently a tutor and I have some librarian friends. So like, I'm really big into book choice. I don't think that we need to say like certain ages can't read. Um, But you know, one of my six-year-old tutor students, she might be seven now, picked up this book and just naturally put it down because it was not interesting to her because it was a lot of cranky teenagers hating their parents and talking about kissing. (laughs) So... Uh, I just think, you know, 100% up to y'all if you want to read it, but that is the my warning that I do have a series that's younger. It's um, about an 11-year-old discovering that she has magical powers, which is uh, pretty in line with what I loved as a kid about Harry Potter. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, hopefully if you enjoyed the series, you might like to check out those books. They're called oh. the Love Sugar Magic series. Nice. Um, yeah, so I have both age ranges, so, you know, if you want something that's a little more, like, I'm so excited about discovering the magic in the world around me, and I'm gonna bake magical cookies, uh, go for Love Sugar Magic, (laughs) and if you like a little bit of angst, and you're ready to start, you know, maybe realizing that your parents aren't doing everything right, then go towards, uh, This Is How We Fly. (laughs) Got it. All right, uh, Ella, are you done? Yes. Okay, sounds good. So our next question is, um, like, what three words would you use to describe this is how we fly? Ooh. Like, the entire book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Be concise? Me? No, never. Um, I guess I would say... Wow, I'm just horrible at this. Uh, I guess I would say... I... Mm, identity? Angst? And Quidditch. <laughs> nice. I was trying to get Cinderella in there, but I didn't manage. So if I had a fourth word, it would be Cinderella. Cool. Um, and why those specific words? Um, well, Quidditch makes sense, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, this was a book that... This was actually my first... Um, it is my first published young adult book. And I started writing it at the same time that I was writing my first published book. So even though it's not my first published book, it kind of still felt like maybe one of the first books that I started working on. And so I spent a lot of time exploring my way through this book in a way that, you know, now when I sit down to write a book, I don't always, I feel like I I go in with a bit more of a plan. And that's why I think identity ended up being such a huge part of this book, um, because like as I was writing this book, I was also discovering who I was as a writer, who I was as a person, um, and like letting that bleed into my characters. So I think that like when I think about this book and I think about the process of writing it, I just really think about how Ellen is this like little mess of a person. <laughs> 
who doesn't know who she is and she's looking to the future and just really not seeing anything um i realize now that i didn't give an elevator pitch of the book so maybe i should like do that first uh, but basically uh ellen is she's just graduated high school she starts realizing that some of her friends are not as committed to like staying friends after high school as she thought everyone was and she's um living in kind of a not great home situation where her stepmom is a little bit antagonistic towards her and so she ends up getting in a big fight and getting herself grounded for the summer which further isolates her from her friends um and she sort of subverts the grounding by joining a quidditch team uh she's not necessarily the most athletic or the most excited to be joining the quidditch team but she does it as a way to get out of the house and to hang out with her friends and she ends up making more friends and through the sport of quidditch really kind of starting to realize who she wants to be in the future and how she's going to like look how, how what her life is going to look like in college um so it helps her kind of see who she is so really identity and like discovering her identity is a big part of the novel i said angst because um like i mentioned this is a <laughs> loose cinderella retelling not perfectly you know some people have said like wait i don't see it um but there's kind of a you know evil stepmother uh relationship ellen's dad is around but sometimes not as supportive as she wants him to be um they both end up oftentimes sort of dismissing her concerns or writing off the things that are important to her as silly or weird um and then also those friends friendships that i mentioned there's sort of these shifting friendships as one of her friends is like okay high school is over i never want to think about that again i'm ready to go to college um and her other friend is in the process of joining this quidditch team making new friends and so she just feels all this tension um with all of her relationships as they're all shifting and so that leads to a lot of angst she spends a lot of time being cranky being sad uh <laughs> spending too much time on the internet and not feeding herself properly so that's where angst came from and quidditch of course is the vehicle for like self-discovery in this novel it's uh it's a community the quidditch team is a community that ellen joins almost by accident but once she gets into it she realizes that a lot of these people are kind of going to be role models for her they're going to be friends for her um and they're going to help her realize that her life is not as bad as she thinks it is and it's not over now that she's done with high school and her friends are you know going in different directions yeah so, and i have to say i love how at each chapter there are the quidditch hoops in it like oh, yeah. oh yeah that is just such a cool detail yeah the book design i had such a nice experience with um philomel which is part of penguin random house um they have been really really great about things like the cover which i think is so beautiful and they mm -hmm. actually let me give them feedback on the the quidditch players on the cover uh to make sure that they looked like quidditch players i told them in advance like that i wanted specifically to see the headbands and the brooms that are just pvc pipe i think right yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Had to go look at the cover and things like you know ellen wearing the the like dollar store bandana with the paisley <laughs> um yeah things like that and then um i just so i just the cover design really really made me happy the way they used the quidditch hoops as the let as part of the lettering and then yeah like you were saying the little quidditch hoops on the page numbers and at the beginnings of chapters um they just there's a lot of care and detail put in which is such one of the really fun things about publishing a book is at least traditionally publishing is getting to kind of have this huge supportive team of people graphic designers people who specialize in the layout of the text um people who will look at every single page in the book and say wait a second you know we wanted it to like the text is justified right which means it hits um it makes like one nice straight line on both margins does that make sense yeah uh, yeah yeah and so there's someone who actually goes on every single page and checks to see if the lines look good when the computer did that naturally and if they don't they'll switch them around they'll say like oh that word got broken weirdly with a hyphen so let's change that and like this line just ended up looking too spaced out so let's change that and that's like a level of detail that I would never ever ever get on my <laughs> own like I I like to write I don't necessarily like to carefully copy edit and like edit for the making sure that the margins look beautiful um but when you're part of a big team 
in traditional publishing, you have people who can do that, which is awesome. One of the great yeah. things about publishing is how collaborative it is. Yeah, the whole book, like, it was bound beautifully. Like, I just <laughs> love it. Because, like, I am weird and I pay attention to, like, how books are bound. And that is just a really nice binding. So I was oh, very pleased. Awesome. <laughs> it was a, you got the library book too, right, Ella? So yeah, I did. Care of it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, and so it's another three words one. Uh, what three words did you describe, used to describe Ellen and Connie and, like, their tension? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. I do love that relationship, and I'm also going to have trouble being concise about it. Um, <laughs> so I would say mismatched, number one. Um, and... And I'm just going to end it there. No. Um, <laughs> um, Ellen and Connie are. Uh, there's a word I'm looking for that I'm blanking at. Something like assimilation or like uh, uh, survival, something, some, some variation on that theme. Uh, that's my second word. It's not a word. It's a concept. <laughs> and third is um, I guess, okay, so third is going to be meta, and I'm going to say controversial. Um, <laughs> so am I explaining all those three words now? Uh, yeah. um, you can if you want. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I picked controversial because I think that the Ellen Connie relationship is the one that I've gotten the most reactions and responses to <laughs> from readers. And it's been really funny to see how about it's like it's really like 30, 30, 30 split. People will come to me and be like, oh, my gosh, that relationship was like really amazing. And I loved it. I'm like, thank you. I really, really. And then the other people will come and be like, what the heck? Why? <laughs> didn't they make up why is Ellen so stubborn or why is Connie so horrible and why like why did they never come to some kind of peace at the end and I'm like oh I mean they kind of but I guess not as much as you <laughs> and then the other third of the people of readers come at me and are like oh my gosh that relationship was horrible toxic abusive like how did they not how did Ellen not cut her out of her life completely by the end of the book and I'm like yeah I don't I mean, she kind of, she kind of did, but not as far as you wanted. Um, yes, I do see the problem. <laughs> so I, yeah. I think it's really interesting to see um, how people react. And some people really wanted um, a, like a more definitive naming of this is abuse and it's not acceptable and I'll never talk to you again. Some people wanted the exact opposite and more of a reconciliation. Um, and I felt like I went with something that was realistic to what I see but also not necessarily the healthiest uh thing which is somewhere in the middle of those two somewhere where there's like an uneasy piece or a just a realization that you or Ellen especially doesn't have to keep fighting this these battles and doesn't have to keep trying to prove her worth to someone who doesn't see it but also she doesn't have to just you know uh cut her out entirely she can just kind of they can coexist without without either of them compromise. I mean, I lean more towards Ellen's values and ideals. Obviously, she's my main character. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Ellen doesn't have to compromise what she believes in or anything like that. She just has to coexist. Um, so, yeah, controversial. They're very mismatched because um, they're basically approaching the problems of the world from, like, opposite uh, point of view. And that's why I also picked this sort of like assimilation or, and survival theme for my second non-word, um, where Ellen is looking at the world and seeing that it's so messed up and wanting to change it and wanting to, you know, she's, she really is working her way to becoming an activist. I wouldn't call her an activist in this book because she is not acting most of the time. She's just <laughs> angry. Yeah. But, you know, she's got, she's got years ahead of her to get more active. Um, so she's seeing the problems in the world. She's wanting to, you know, take a stand and, and do something about them. And her stepmom is really seeing the problems in the world and thinking, okay, I need to draw inward. I need to, like, keep myself and my family safe by 
basically not drawing attention, trying to fit in, trying to be, um, I would liken it to respectability politics in her case, where she's like, okay, well, I'm living in Texas, and I am a Mexican immigrant, and I'm just going to try and act like the most suburban white lady ever, so people will be nice to me. Uh, which is, like, honestly, a real thing, and it's, there are pressures to do that and people and I understand that um and when Ellen sees that and and tries to kind of say like you're doing it wrong you're being bad she's probably not thinking about all the ways that that her stepmom is like feels in danger and she's probably not thinking about her feelings very hard uh which is why some people are like couldn't she have reconciled a little but she's also pointing out what I think is true that that doesn't work and we need to fix the world on a more basic level rather than just trying to skate by and not um not confront these problems so there definitely is a mismatch there and a difference of opinion on how to survive in a broken world yeah Thank you. thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was amazing. <laughs> oh, no, thank you for the question. I'm the, obviously not concise, but the three words are making me think <laughs> about my themes, so I like it. All right. Awesome. Um, next question is, what was the writing process for your book like? Oh, yeah. I'm, I sort of mentioned this a little earlier. It took me a long time to write this book. Um, I started it actually in 2014. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and it didn't come out until twenty, the very end of twenty twenty. So, um, and during that time, I actually published three other books. Like while I was working on getting this book out, three other books came out, um, and that's partially wow. because of, yeah, that's partially because those books I was on a little bit of a faster track. They're a little bit shorter, but it was also like I mentioned, I didn't. I was. I had to learn how to write a this book, like especially a YA book, especially a contemporary book while I was writing it. And I didn't always get it right. I took a long time, had so many different drafts, um, rewrote that first chapter, like probably literally 15 times and changed yeah. some really huge things. Even late in the process, um, I originally was writing a lot of things in this book differently. Um, people kept pushing me to, for example, make Shumiao a bigger character. Um, she wasn't actually originally like the main angst that, that Ellen was having. And then she just grew as a character because people kept wanting to see more from her. And so I kept writing more of her and she became a much bigger part of the book than she originally was. Uh, similarly, John, who is uh, one of Ellen's love interests, kind of. He's interested, <laughs> she's not interested. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he was just kind of this jerky character and, you know, he was just representing like occasionally there are jerks on Quidditch teams and that's all he was. And then people kept wanting to see more of him and kept wanting to see more of, of these interactions that they were having. And so I, I ended up giving him a much bigger role and kind of getting to understand him more and trying to write him a bit more like my friends on the Quidditch team rather than just my enemies on the Quidditch team. <laughs> um, so I don't think he comes across, you know, necessarily as like someone we we all want to make out with uh because he's kind of a jerk but i hope he comes across as like a human being now in a way that maybe he didn't in the first draft yeah um yeah and all i think right. it just it took a long time for me to find the story and make sure that it all made sense yeah so um were there any spots where you had trouble thinking or where you got stuck where you didn't know what to put writing yeah yeah and I think that is part of the reason it took me so long I mm -hmm. had trouble especially I think just in the middle sections there was a lot of things I wanted to say in this book and so I would have scenes where the characters would talk about something um you know maybe I would have this idea that I wanted Ellen and Connie to talk about um um, sexism and I didn't really know how to make it happen I just knew I wanted them to have that conversation um, and so I would I would like write the dialogue but I wouldn't know how to put it in scene or I wouldn't know how to fit it into the book and I think a big part of my writing process is I write scenes out of order and then I have to put them in order and actually like make <laughs> there be a flow between them um, so a lot of those sort of conversations those uh, little character moments 
they were hard for me to maybe not to imagine the moment, but to decide how it fit into the rest of the book. Um, oh, and then I also had a hard time with the the exact details of how Ellen would get to the tournament and like how her parents would get her home from the tournament just logistically. Um, that was a hard one for me. I like spent a long time and had a lot of different options for how that would happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So who was your fair favorite character to write and also favorite character to write or oh. your least favorite character to write? Interesting. You know, I have an answer for this set for my other series. Like I know who my favorite character is to write for that series, <laughs> but for this is how we fly, I'm not totally sure. I mean, I think one of my favorite characters that didn't get enough screen time or that didn't get enough page time, um, or my, I guess my two favorite characters are Aaron and Aaron, Aaron and Aaron, <laughs> who are beater partners. Um, their names are spelled differently, so it's easier to see in text. But uh, and I'm always like, uh, if I had it a chance, I would go back and like make them bigger characters because I just love their like weird little dynamic um, of being the the confusing pairing on the Quidditch team that you're like, are, are they dating again? Are they off again? What's going on? Um, I feel like they have a lot of, they have a whole story going on in their life that Ellen is not really privy to, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I also really, really loved writing Elizabeth. She developed a lot and um, kind of gained her like music taste as I was in doing maybe some of the final rounds of revision and realized that she hadn't gotten as much personality as I wanted her to, so I really liked doing that one. Um, it might just be Ellen, though. I mean, she is my main character. I do really enjoy writing her perspective, and I like in my new book that I get to write her uh, a little bit older. I'm writing a book right now that's five set five years after This Is How We Fly, Ooh. and the main oh, character is Yasmin, who's the little sister oh, in cool. this book. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so Ellen is now, uh, I don't even know, how old would she be? 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. <laughs> and I can count. Uh, Ellen's about, yeah, she's graduated from college. She's back home. She's um, a little more set in her non-binary identity. Um, she's unfortunately had to take a job at a non-vegan restaurant. And she's just kind of like doling out life advice and being... Um, a little bit sad about where she is in, in the moment. <laughs> so, yeah. I like writing Ellen. Yeah. Alright, so, where did you kind of first get the idea or, like, the inspiration for This Is How We Fly? I actually came up with it. I was living in New York. Um, I went to New York just for two years to do um, uh grad school for creative writing which was a super cool time um and I was very lucky to get to do that and one of my friends who lived there was like oh we should like see a play because it's New York and it has Broadway and we went and saw Cinderella on Broadway and it's the um like Rodgers and Hammerstein version and Carly Rae Jepsen was supposed to be in it but she was like not there that day so it was her understudy who was also great and I was watching it and I was thinking like, you know, I kind of had seen some versions of this musical before, but I, I didn't remember it very well. And there was a lot more politics than I remembered. Like the, the Cinderella that they wrote in that version was kind of interested in like fairness and justice and politics and talking to the prince about it. And I was like, that's cool. Cause you know, I get sick of this like very passive Cinderella who doesn't have any opinions about anything and is such a pushover that we sometimes like imagine from the Disney version or from other versions. And I was like, that would be funny if, you know, Cinderella was actually like really like a social justice warrior. Um, and I kind of got that idea. And I had been sort of looking for an excuse to write about Quidditch, but I didn't have anything. <laughs> I didn't have a story to go with it. So I was suddenly like, oh, my gosh, what if my what if my very like vegan because she's a friend to animals, social justice -y Cinderella is the goes into the Quidditch story that I've been sort of wanting to write and haven't found a way to write. Um, and I got the idea of like oh yeah, she loses a cleat instead of a shoe, and then that was kind of it from there. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even notice that. That was kind of Oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> That's, it's, I think it's a little subtle. The, retail, the Cinderella thread is more of like Easter egg, right? So, you know, John yeah. has an orange car. Um, 
she loses the cleat. There's like little things, but um, you know, I think the story also kind of stands on its own. Some people didn't will read it and not even notice that there's the Cinderella thing going on, which is fine. Yeah, that's I actually really like that. Like it kind of adds another like hidden layer to it. Yeah. And that's I love that in books that I read. Like um I just read uh Verona Comics, which is a Romeo and Juliet retelling by Jennifer Dugan. And it doesn't fo- it doesn't totally follow the story 100%, but it really gives you that feeling that Romeo and Juliet is supposed to give you where you're like, "Oh no." oh, they're so in love, but they're also making bad decisions. Oh, no. Oh, they're going to ruin their lives. Oh, no. Where are the adults? Um, <laughs> so that's another uh, kind of angsty teen book, but it really it really captured the the vibe of the story it was remixing or retelling. Um, Pride by A.B. Zaboy is another one. It's a Pride and Prejudice retelling, but it's not working to be so, so, so faithful. It's just working to like capture that the essence of that story in a different setting. Yeah. So you kind of already touched on this, but um, was the plot of the first draft, like, even remotely close to the final draft plot? I would, I, the, the plot was pretty similar. Um, the character was very different, actually, and all the characters were very different, I think. Um, the plot was pretty similar. I think that it was a lot less nuanced, so... Like, the rules of the grounding were way less clear. Um, The progression that Ellen kind of hopefully now has from going from, like, I'm not sure about joining this team to, like, oh, I like this to, oh, like, this is going to be one piece of my future, I think is clearer now. But I do think plot-wise, most of the things were pretty similar in the first draft. Uh, Is that true, though? Because John wasn't even a love interest in the first draft, so maybe not. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember the first draft that well. Yeah, I always print um, out my first drafts because I like being able to see, like, oh, look at how much this changed. Yeah, yeah. I I actually write everything by hand, so I guess I could go read my old. <laughs> oh wow! If you can read your handwriting. Yeah, that's actually, that's the reason that I write by hand. Um, when I was little, I would I was super self. I mean, I still am super self conscious about people reading my work before I was ready so I like deliberately developed bad handwriting or like hard to read (laughs) handwriting and then wrote really tiny in notebooks so that if anyone looked over my shoulder they couldn't read it and now it's like the only way I can first draft or write is to do that and it's hilarious and nobody can read my notebooks (laughs) yeah my first drafts are completely off limit like it doesn't matter (laughs) what it is like if it's a fan fiction maybe but any like short story Anything above that? No. <laughs> um, All right. So you mentioned you were a writer, right, Ella? Yes, I am. Yeah, what sort of things do you like to write? I really like um, high fantasy uh, YA fiction. So, yeah. Very cool. Have you read Blaze Rath Games? No. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I meant to... I was going to have, like, a stack of books that I could recommend, but... Um, <laughs> for YA fantasy. Uh, Blaze Wrath Games is one of my, like, you know, if you like Harry Potter and are looking for something that will give you the, that feeling without the turfy um, new <laughs> stuff, unfortunately. Uh, Blaze Wrath Games is about an invented magical sport with dragons and a character who joins uh, the, like, national team playing this game at the same time that a, I guess, dragon terrorist is basically trying to shut the games down. Um, but there's some ulterior motives there. Anyway, it's great, and it has, like, it starts off with a visit to a wand shop that just feels very magical and puts you in that, like, imaginary world, um, while at the same time having some criticisms by saying, like, yeah, this wand shop is really, like, a tourist trap. It's, like, it's it's feels very (laughs) fake. It's like Disney World, you know? The real stuff is different, and so, like, I really like that. Um, It's a really great book. Yeah. So, um, what is your favorite part about Quidditch? My favorite part about Quidditch? So many things. I think that it's a, it's a really close tie between, like, athleticism that's fun and uh, community, but I think I'm going to go with community. 
nice. when I, I mentioned moving to New York, I moved from Texas. I had never been, I had never like been outside of Texas other than when I was an infant. And I moved to New York City knowing nobody, uh, joining a very small uh, writing program that only had 12 students in it. So it was like a little bit lonely and there was only so many people in my classes that I could talk to. <laughs> and, uh, but luckily I had joined a Quidditch team in college and I knew enough about like what I was gonna do that I was able to connect with the New York Quidditch team. Uh, they were called the New York Badassalisks which was a great name, and, sorry, a little bit PG-13, um, and they, I just, like, as soon as I moved there, I found them in Central Park, I, like, started playing with them, and they became sort of my, my community that I went to when I was getting tired of my classes, or when there was, you know, when the, the 12 people, the little 12-person classes were getting a little bit too dramatic and um, a little too small, and there was, like, nowhere to go because everyone was in each other's business, it was really nice to have another community. Um, and, yeah, quid so the Quidditch community really helped me in that space. And then I moved back to Texas, and I got to help sort of uh, the Houston Cosmos get off the ground uh, with the team. I think they had been sort of putting it together, and then I moved back and was able to kind of um, do some of the beater training for a little bit. And then I got more busy with work and I stepped back a little, um, and now like it, now it's a pretty well-established team and we've actually gone to world cups and stuff. So that was fun. Um, nice. but yeah, so, so what the community, it's a nice community. Yeah. What position do you play? I play beater, uh, like nice. Ellen in the books. I <laughs> started very much like Ellen, not knowing what I was doing and I would say I'm a little more like competitive than Ellen or well Ellen gets competitive but like I went in knowing that I liked sports a little more than Ellen um, but I hadn't played sports much in since like middle school when I started in college and so I had a very similar trajectory with the like oh I need to learn how to run oh I need to like develop muscles a little bit um, and also oh wow I can tackle or I can take a tackle. Uh, <laughs> This is not something that anyone has ever encouraged me to do before. Um, and then, side note, I also uh, broke my pelvis in 2019 <laughs> playing oh, no. Quidditch. Which oh, that is, sounds painful. I know. Yeah. I used to be like the poster child of like, it doesn't matter how small you are, you can play Quidditch, it's safe. Um, and unfortunately, I can't really be that anymore. But I, I will say that I played for seven years and never got injured until my really big injury. Um, and I do actually believe that you can be in control of how dangerous your Quidditch experience is. Um, I just, you know, uh, was in a very, very unique situation in that particular game. And, like, <laughs> it wasn't safe for me. But most of the time, um, I do think that even as a, as a contact sport, Quidditch does a lot to make sure that its players are safe. And you have a lot of control making sure that you're safe. So, <laughs> yeah. Our team yeah. just learned how to tackle because we started, like, oh, yeah. during the pandemic. So mm -hmm. our so, first, yeah. like, few practices, like, our first season even, were, like, don't touch each other. Like, oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> we're going to, like, run together and <laughs> do, like, jumping jacks together. But that's it. And yeah. so, yeah, we're just very slowly learning, like, the actual non-pandemic rules. Wow, that's going to be super fun. It's also, they've changed it a little bit. So I think now yeah. we're doing two-handed tackles, which I have I have to learn from scratch. So I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I, I say that, but also, am I going to play again? <laughs> we'll find out. I'm excited yeah. to practice it with my teammates. I don't know if I'm excited to bring that to tournaments. Uh, we'll see. We're doing two pa or ten pages of the rule book of practice. So wow. we're just like very slowly working through it. It's a lot of yeah. notes on my part. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the rule book is, I mean, I love that they're, that it's so, that USQ and MLQ and IQA are all like paying such close attention and changing things when they're not working. And I think that's great. It also makes it kind of a hassle to keep up with <laughs> and it's a long rule book. Yes, it is very, very long. But it's yeah. really cool that y'all are checking it out and like learning the rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How yeah. long have you played Quidditch? I've played Quidditch since 2013? Maybe 2012, actually. 
Nice. Yeah, because it was the beginning of that year. So yeah, uh, yeah, I've played Quidditch since 2012, so I'm coming up on definitely nine years of playing, um, which is a little wild. But I have taken some breaks. I, I think I took one full year off and then like another half season at some point just because work was getting busy um, and I wasn't able to really make it to practices. And then I broke my pelvis in September of 2019. So I stopped playing entirely and then like wasn't fully recovered in time by the time the pandemic hit. So I haven't played actually longer than since the pandemic. Um, I haven't played since 2019. Wow. <laughs> but I've been involved <laughs> and you know, going to games, watching games, uh, hanging out since 2012, so nine years. Um, so what was the, like, reaction to This Is How We Fly? Like, how did your readers react to it initially? Um, I... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's been very weird because I released this book during the pandemic. It's my only book that has come out during that's not true it, the other one is a book that I always forget about because it came out at the beginning of the pandemic and it was short and um uh a little bit of a different kind of project so I always forget about it because it came out during the pandemic um but because this book released in December of 2020 I think people just had a lot <laughs> people have had a lot of stress people have had a lot of um it's been, you know, we've been doing virtual events, but it's it's now been a full year of that and people are tired. And so it's it felt really weird that I didn't get to have some of the feedback that I got from my earlier books that released, you know, during quote unquote normal times. Uh, I haven't really seen, I haven't really heard from very many um, teen readers on this, uh, which is one reason that I was excited to hear from y'all. But um, <laughs> I, cause I don't, I can't do school visits. Like schools weren't even open until kind of recently and they're definitely not so open that they're like gathering everyone in a big auditorium for an author to speak to them and so I haven't gotten to do that and I think that the like I've been missing that a little bit I've been missing kind of hearing from fans or seeing them in person if you do signings um, at bookstores you can kind of have people come in and say like I read the book um, I mean I have been really lucky there have been some podcast hosts uh, some bloggers some librarians who have reached out to me and told me that they really loved the books and they really, um, sorry, this book specifically, that they really loved This Is How We Fly. Um, I was, so like I've heard, I've heard from reviewers and I guess other adults who read YA more than I've heard from actual teens. So I've, I'm a little bit like wanting to know what people think. Um, yeah. Uh, my, some of my tutor students read it and they were really nice about it. Uh, and then I've had some very nice reviews in some of the like, the sort of like fancy librarian journals that uh, people check out to see like, what are the good books? Um, so Kirkus Review or School Library Journal, they've all said nice things. Um, so I feel like responses have been generally good, but it's also been a little bit weird because I can't connect as easily with readers and um, especially young readers like I could in non-pandemic times yeah feedback yeah. is always so scary <laughs> i know yeah it's a lot of and especially this one since it's with so many years and a lot of the quidditch stuff is pretty close to my heart it was very like kind of scary to put this one out especially then to put it out um so it it got pushed back it was going to come out in october which would have been even closer um it got pushed to december um but i think this summer was when there was that really, really strong pushback on JK Rowling. And so it was a little rough to, to put it out when a lot of my friends and like I said, like friends and family were, were so tired of Harry Potter and were saying like, can we stop talking about Harry Potter? And I was like, after you read my book. <laughs> uh, so that was a little rough. And, but I mean, like I said, people have, you know, some really nice reviews that said like, this is what we needed to kind of love Harry Potter again, or to love the fandom really again. Um, some people who have read it and said, you know what, what I loved about this book is that I didn't have to care that much about Harry Potter to read it. And I'm like, good, I'm glad, whatever. Uh, some people um, who 
said, hey, this is Harry Potter, but it is clearly not supporting what J.K. Rowling's supporting, and that's cool. Like, so I've had, I have had nice feedback, even though it was coming out in that weird time. That's good. And um, what is the most commonly asked question about the book? Uh, <laughs> the most commonly asked question about Quidditch is how do you fly? <laughs> um, and I think I still get that one. For, for this book, I think I get a lot of like, wait, so Quidditch, this is real? Like you really, you wrote about this, but like really though? Like really? Um, that's one of the most common questions. And then I think... Um, another really common question that I've gotten is like, sort of like, what, why are there so many issues or like, did you mean to put so many issues, which I think is a funny one. Or one person asked, do you hope that everyone learns from all these issues that you're addressing? Um, basically talking about the fact that Ellen is uh, bicultural, she's Mexican American and also Irish American. And so she like, talks about that on page and deals with that, like, you know, uh, that space of being like, I have thoughts about my culture and I don't know what to think about it. And then additionally, there are a lot of queer characters. And then additionally, uh, she talks about sexism a lot. <laughs> and, um, so, and she talks about racism and she talks about, you know, the way that her little sister will be perceived differently than she is because of the color of their skin, because of the language that they spoke first. Um, and so some people have asked me, like, why are there so many issues or did you put those issues in to try to teach people? And like, I think that's a funny question, because to me, these were just questions. These were just issues that, like, I didn't feel like I could write the book without because my characters would not be real teens in Houston if they weren't thinking about these things and, and confronting these things and dealing with these things. But uh, some people have like asked it as like, oh, why did you make this weird choice? So that was funny <laughs> to me. Um, and so is there, like, a general favorite character, um, that your readers have, like, told you about? Like, is there just a big character that everyone is just, is that's their favorite? I don't know. Maybe Carrie. But I don't know. What are y'all's favorite characters? <laughs> Wait, or whoever's read, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I like Melissa. Oh, I love Melissa. That's a good one. I like Carrie. So, <laughs> <laughs> Melissa and Carrie, strong, strong side. They're the. I always, I almost always write a side character. Um, that is the character that I would like. I would. I want my life to be most like them because, like, your main <laughs> characters have to go through so much drama and and bad things, yeah. and so I like to write like a side character, at least one in every book that's just like having a nice time and like definitely a story there, but a much smoother story. Melissa yeah. and Carrie are that story for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they're definitely, I think, hopefully fan favorites. And, uh, so, David, you can go. Because she already answered that question. Oh, right, sorry. Okay. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait. <laughs> hey, I did switched you it on you guys. Question? Uh, seven. Wait, I thought you're I thought red, I right? Yeah. Are I you am. red or is Ella red? <laughs> Sorry, guys. While you were talking, I switched the colors. <laughs> Wait, but Kai, you didn't I finish you number six. <laughs> well, we no, but you already answered, answered that. So. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Sorry about yeah. this. I have really answered your question, yeah. ruining Our your show notes. Are color coded, and while Kai was talking. I switched two colors, oh, so now no. everyone's panicking. <laughs> okay. Understandable. Sorry, what guys. is something about Ellen, or any character, that most people don't know about? And, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, what is something about Ellen, or any character, that most people don't know about? I mean, well, so I guess I sort of said this earlier, Ellen spends a lot of the, not a lot of the book, Ellen spends a little, a few moments in this book thinking about uh, the concept of gender and how she feels about it, but she never like comes to any particular decisions about that because she's 17 years old and she is more concerned about her friends and her family and everything else that's going on in her life. 
but I did mention that in the second book she will be non-binary like she will have already come out as non-binary um, so I think that's something that if you read this is how you how we fly it's very easy to not notice that or to not think um, that Ellen is necessarily moving in that direction uh, but to me it seemed like those thoughts that she were ha she was having that were coming up in the book I didn't want to like just ignore them so um, in the second book, I don't really go through her like discovery process that sort of happens off in between the two books um, and the process of coming out because uh, that's not a narrative that I necessarily want to write. But between book one and the second book, she will have done all of that. And then so in book two, she's just non-binary. Um, she has, hasn't changed her pronouns, but that's something that you may not know if you only read the first book, uh, which no one has read the second book yet because it doesn't <laughs> exist yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Are any characters based off of people and people in real life, and who who are the people? Who who? Now we're getting into the juicy stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I I always say that almost all my characters have are grounded in reality in some way, which means that you know every character has a piece of me, and probably also several pieces of other people that I know. Uh, it, I don't think that means there's necessarily a one-to-one -one correlation um, between any one character and any one person. I did slightly dedicate this book to three uh, Quidditch players that were really, really formative, um, like early coaches for me, or they were, uh, Brandy is a tournament director and has been for years and um, founded the Sam Houston team, which was really close to the Rice team that I started playing with. And so I, I would sort of say like, Carrie is kind of based on those three people that I that I dedicated the book to, um, but again, that's like three whole three entire people mashed into one, and then also some of me and also some of my other friends. So like, <laughs> you know, you end up getting something very yeah. different than any one of those people. And that's the same thing about a lot of the characters. Ellen has a lot of me. Uh, Melissa has a lot of my best friend from high school, um, but not a hundred percent, and also a lot of my best friends just throughout life. Um, Shumiao has a lot of two of my best friends from college. She started out more like one of my best friends from college. And then people were like, why is she so mean? I can't tell why they're friends. And I was laughing because I was like, that's just my friend. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> She's just mean and we like her anyway. So I had to sort of introduce other elements to her character uh, to, to make her more like some of my other friends. So that was kind of fun. Um, and who else? Uh, oh, John, like I said, he started out based on like three or four people that I didn't like. And then in order to make him more fleshed out, I started to give him uh, personality traits and details from people that I did like. Uh, so again, like mashing, mashing people together, which is like a lot of my writing process to create characters. Um, if the if all of your readers could take away one message from this is how we fly, what would it be? Oh no, just one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it would be, the thing that I would hope people get from this is like, that you, you will find that place where you belong at some point. And if you, if you haven't found it yet, it's okay. Um, I think that like, there's a lot of different ways, there's a lot of different themes in the Cinderella story. And sometimes people like I said, kind of come back at me and say like, wait, this was a Cinderella story? Like it wasn't even a romance or it wasn't even, it's not what I was expecting. But I think that what I really like about the, story, the Cinderella story is this idea that we have a protagonist. She doesn't have to change very much who she is in the story. But what she has to do is escape a situation where she has to like find out that, that the way people are treating her in this context is not the way people will treat her forever. Um, I think that's a really important message, especially for, for some teenagers who are like, like living in houses that may not be super, super accepting or super, super supportive. Um, and there's not much you can do about that in some situations. Like you just have to kind of endure. And that's what, that's the part of the Cinderella story that spoke to me that you could have a protagonist who is right and who is doing everything right and still isn't in a good situation, but that doesn't mean that she won't be in a good situation later on or that she won't find the place where she's really accepted and loved. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's, yeah. The, that's the message I was hoping to get out there. <laughs> and then, you know, if some people pick it up and realize, like, whoa, racism and sexism are worse than I thought, uh, then that's good, too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So before we end, do you have any, like, questions for us or anything else that you want to talk about? Um, okay, so I do have just a slightly nosy question about your Quidditch team. Uh, so you said you founded a community team? Yeah. yeah. What, uh, yes. So what, you don't have to tell me, like, exactly, but, like, what area are y'all in? Yeah, so we're in Colorado Springs. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, so have you kind of connected a little bit with USQ or with the IQA or... Yeah, so we are registered, like, if you look up on the map, uh, you mm -hmm. can see our team, but we're not an official team yet. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a weird season, so it yeah, has to be official like, right now. Just, yeah, with COVID, cool. it was like, yeah. don't even bother. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I, I guess my question is, like, do y'all have any anything you need that would help with your team with developing? Like, do you have questions about that sort of thing? Is there anything I can do that would help your team develop? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think we all just need to get stronger and more. Yeah. <laughs> so I more mean, practice. Yeah, Fair. just oh, like yeah. more practice in general. That's, we need okay. our keepers to grow a few more feet. <laughs> I'm sorry, I am short, okay? <laughs> Okay. Both of our keepers I have are like... known at least a few good short keepers. I know it's not the norm, and we would we would love to have tall keepers, but you can be an effective keeper even if you're not tall. I know. Both our keepers are like really, really short. Well, not really Aww. short, but like short. And then we have like a bunch of really tall kids on the team, but they're mm -hmm. all like chasers. Well, it's nice okay. because then well, they can catch the ball. Like, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, team. like, chasers can do defense as well. Like, you don't have exactly. to leave your keeper alone there. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, so before we leave, um, do you just want to, like, tell listeners um, all the places where, like, we can find you on social media and, like, just name drop all your books, too? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, so I guess best place to find all of my writing information is at my website, annamariano.com. Um, it's my name. Hopefully it will be somewhere in this episode title. Uh, yes. So you can spell it correctly. Uh, but it's just annamariano.com. I have uh, Twitter. My handle is at Anna M is boring. That was a choice that I made before I knew I was going to be a professional writer. <laughs> But you know what? I stand by it. And <laughs> I that's really all. Um, if you're in the Quidditch community, you'll you might be able to find me on Facebook. I don't make my Facebook super public for um, for writing things, but I kind of do for Facebook for Quidditch things. So uh, if you're in, you know, AQD or um, uh, IQA all the regions, you might see me pop up and that would be fine. Uh, <laughs> what else? Um, and yeah, my books, if you are interested in the um, the series with an 11-year-old protagonist, middle grade fantasy series that has some magic and some magical cookies and some cookies that fly, those are the Love Sugar Magic series. Um, and you can find them on my website or you can find them on Google because Google is your friend. And today is Indie Bookstore Day, so you should definitely buy books from your local independent bookstore. Uh, mine is Brazos Bookstore in Houston. I don't know any in Colorado, unfortunately. <laughs> and then uh, this is how we fly. Same thing. You can find it on my website or you can Google it. And um, my next book is actually going to be an anthology. So I have two anthologies coming out this, maybe three, two anthologies coming out this year. Uh, one is going to be called Up All Night. It has um, a lot of great stories about characters who stay up all night. It's um, young adult mostly contempt mostly like realistic stories and then i have a story in an anthology called living beyond borders it's all um mexican or mexican-american authors writing short stories and i will eventually have a quidditch short story out in a book called game on an anthology called game on that's going to be all different authors writing about sports should be cool. fun sports and games actually i think so like some board games and some sports and then my next book, which is not, 
like up on Amazon or on Barnes and Nobles or anything yet, but hopefully will be soon, is called It Sounds Like This. It's the one where Ellen is the older sibling and Yasmin is the main character and she does marching band. Cool. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Thank that's you all so much. Yeah. This was super yeah, cool. Yeah, thank you for yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Thanks so, for having me. Thanks. I'm sorry. I think I talked a little longer than what is a normal oh, no. session. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. It is. We can amazing. split it into two episodes if we yeah. want to. It's fine. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We're so excited just to like even have <laughs> yeah. you on. Like this was yes. super cool. All week we were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thank you. No, me too. I'm very excited whenever I get, and I weirdly, like, hadn't, like I said, I hadn't heard very much from any readers, and then the week that you reached out to me, I got um, a couple of different people <laughs> reaching out for things like this, and I was just really excited that, like, oh my gosh, people are actually reading the book. Uh, that makes me very happy, so thank you. Yeah. yeah awesome. Thank you so Actually, much. How, how did y'all find the book? Was it just from your library? Uh, no. Um, so... I listened to uh, the Gaily Prophet, and they talked the about the Gaily Prophet. Yay! I love they that. talked they about so your nice. book, and yes. I was like, Quidditch book must read. Like it was oh, just cool. like right up my alley. And then I was yeah. like, Hi, like you have to read this too. <laughs> and so I just yes. dragged everyone into it. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy! I loved uh, doing that podcast. They were so nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's how I get, like, most of our ideas. Like, mm -hmm. I come up with some idea, and I'm like, guys, you have no choice. You're doing this with me. Come on. <laughs> and then we Aww. end up doing it. <laughs> that's super awesome. That's a lot of initiative. I mean, it's already <laughs> a lot of initiative to, to found a Quidditch team. Um, and yeah. then to also be running a podcast. <laughs> that's, like, that's really cool. That's a lot of good work you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Thank you.